Listen up, get ready, I'm not gonna take no more There's a revolution, a revelation going on in my soul Buckle up, get ready, we're not gonna sit back Ladies and gentlemen, sisters and brothers, hermanos y hermanos I'm Michael James and I'm here with Emilio Davis, the engineer And we are here for you with another edition of the Live from the Heartland show Um uh, we are broadcast every Saturday morning at 9 o'clock on our home base, WLUW 88.7, and we are also on CAN TV. Um, this week, we're going to talk with Heather Booth and Katie Hogan about things that people can do in order to turn out the vote in the election, which is coming up very quickly and very important. Uh, and then we're going to go out to Seattle and talk to Ron Schultz. Uh, who uh, is an old friend who's been following the show for a long time and has a new book out called Chicago Rage. We'll talk with him. So let's get started. A little bit of news, things that caught my attention. President Biden gave a talk to the uh, country last night over the ex-president and the Make America crowd destroying democracy. This follows his calling them out last week about being semi-fascist, which he took some heat on, but got a lot of accolades. Um, Biden is calling on Americans to resist threats to democracy. Uh, on a similar note, a uh, former Republican Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, has been pushing advertisements that falsely claim the 2020 election was stolen from Donald Trump in order to arouse anger. This is according to the House Committee investigating the January 6th Capitol attack. Also down south in Georgia, uh, Lindsey Graham, uh, well, he's from South Carolina, but he's been ordered to appear before the Georgia grand jury, and the courts say he must do that. Also, Governor Kemp, who has been called uh, before the grand jury, investigating uh, the 2020 election um, and events around it. Uh, Kemp uh, has to testify, too, although he gets to do it after the next election. Moving on a little bit. Uh, voting and elections. Uh, up in Alaska, uh, happy to say that Sarah Palin lost her race to Mary Palova, Peltova, excuse me. Uh, it was a ranked choice voting system, special election to serve out the term of, I think his name was Don Young. I could have I left it, but I got rid of it. And uh, uh, Peltova won the election. She has to run again in November. Uh, but this was a good sign that uh, Palin was beaten by the first Alaska native to go to Congress. And Peltova, uh, I saw her in an interview last night, and she said, while well, she wants to defend the, the rights of the indigenous people, they are only 13% of the population in Alaska, and she will be looking to uh, serve everybody's needs. Um, let me see. Uh, also on that same note, uh, well, at least around uh, elections and stuff, Ginny Thomas, who is the wife of um, the Supreme Court Justice Thomas, it turns out she pressed Wisconsin lawmakers to overturn Biden's 2020 victory. Newsweek has reported she attempted to sway, uh, I think, 29 people, as well as trying to do that also in, that 29 was in Arizona because she's also trying to sway uh, electoral decision makers in both Wisconsin and Arizona. And there are more calls for her to be called into account. Um, on the memoriam front, I have no deaths of friends to share. Oh, that's great. On the environment, uh, Pakistan, a third of the country is underwater. 
pay attention to that because also a report coming out, um, major sea level rise is caused by melting ice in Greenland. The ice cap is now to, is melting. It's inevitable. The loss will contribute to a minimum rise of 27 centimeters or 10.6 inches, uh, regardless of what climate action is taken. Out in Nebraska a week ago, uh, this came up. Uh, the medical marijuana initiative there did not pass. It needed a certain number of votes. So in Nebraska, there is no medical marijuana, no recreational marijuana. Uh, on the labor front, the National Public Radio reports that the U.S. support for labor unions is at 71 percent. Uh, and that follows uh, wide ranging efforts, both from Amazon and Starbucks employees to organize. And the Guardian report reports that Starbucks and Amazon have been accused of dragging their feet on union contracts. After successful unionization drives, experts say the companies will fight to the end to prevent the next step. In other words, a union. That's not good. Okay, uh, a little bit from around the world. Just coming up on the New York Times, uh, a vote in Chile that could, could transform indigenous rights. A proposed constitution would enshrine some of the world's most extensive indigenous rights, but those reforms have become the focal point of a campaign to reject the new text. Uh, the Mapuche people, M-A-P-U-C-H-E, beat back the Inca invaders. They fended off the Spanish colonizers, and now centuries later, they have continued to wage a rattle for battle for recognition of their territories territories in northern Chile. Now, in what could be one of the biggest victories for indigenous peoples in around uh, the world in modern history, the Mapuches are on the verge of achieving much of what they have been fighting for. There will be an election Sunday in Chile on a new constitution that, if approved, would enshrine uh, these extensive rights for indigenous people. Uh, on the sports front, uh, it's been really wonderful to watch Serena Williams. She's won her two matches now. She and her sister uh, Venus did lose last night in doubles. I'm sure she's going to be a little tired today going into her match on Friday night. Uh, but uh, she said she's going to retire. She's walking it back just a little bit with all these successes. We'll see what happens. And close to home in Rogers Park. Network 49 and the 49th Ward Democrats are holding a rally and petition signing event to show support for the re-election of our Alderwoman Maria Haddon. Uh, this event is going to take place September 10th, 11 a.m. in what is now being called the Glenwood Alfresco Plaza. That's the 6900 block of Glenwood, just south of the old Heartland Cafe site. And... Um, they uh, it's going to be uh, a great event and really in support of our current alderwoman who I think is doing a really fine job. Uh, there's also a new Network 49 Environmental Committee working with Eugene Field School and Loyola University. Contact us via Network 49. You can find that on Facebook, etc. Okay, so it's time to talk politics. Time that we bring on a couple of wonderful women, Heather Booth and Katie Hogan, who are going to talk a little bit about uh, what people can do in the days leading up to the midterm elections, not only in terms of phone calls, 
visiting, even giving some money. So let's uh, let's uh, take a mu musical break. Um, we're going to let Emilio pick that, and we'll be right back with Heather Booth and Katie Hogan here on Live from the Heartland, WLUW.org, or 88.7 on the left end of your dial. Be right back. Don't go in. Children, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down. There's battle lines being drawn. Nobody's right if everybody's wrong. Young people speak in their minds. Are getting so much resistance from behind. Time we stop. Hey, what's that sound? Everybody, look what's going down. What a field day for the heat. A thousand people in the street. Singing songs and a carrying signs. Mostly say hooray for our side. It's time we stop. Hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down. Okay, we're listening to the live from the Heartland radio or TV or internet show. I'm Michael James, and it's time to talk politics. We've been talking a lot about the upcoming midterms, what's going on, and what activists should be doing. So I've asked two people to join me today, two of my favorite people, two people I admire highly. That would be Katie Hogan, my longtime business and political partner, and Heather Booth, who uh, many of you may know historically from her work with the Midwest Academy uh, in the vanguard of women's uh, access to abortion rights. Uh, with Jane and uh, sometimes an activist with the Democratic Party. So good morning to the two of you, Katie Hogan and Heather Booth. How are you both doing today? Hi, Michael. I'm always, be I'm always better when I'm with Katie Hogan and Michael James. Uh, they are uh, long distance movement runners. Katie was truly my, my campaign partner in the Harold Washington effort. She was the side and uh, many other efforts. And Michael James, we go back to the days of uh, join jobs or income now and organizing in Uptown. And anyway, it's just a delight to be back with you. Movement long distance runners. And that's what we hope people on this call, uh, the, the podcast, the video will do. A long distance runner, do the work that's needed in less than 70 days to turn this country around. Well, it's coming up, and I've got uh, the visuals for both you and me, Heather, but uh, Katie is somehow, I'm the Luddite, I'm not sure what's going on, but we can hear Katie, so we're going to talk a little politics, and let's start off with Heather in your long career, uh, a strong career in electoral politics, and not talking here about the movement side, but how would you describe the importance of the 2022 midterm elections? God. I think right now we are on a knife's edge, a knife's edge between democracy and autocracy. 
And as much as so many of us who are watching this show or have are listening in, have spent our lives saying we need to make this a better democracy, a more perfect union. And that is still true. There's a long way to go. But in fact, what we're now facing are uh, this MAGA faction of the Republican Party that's dismantling what democracy we have, undermining it, particularly for people of color, for young people. But the truth is, for anyone who wants to see something like would be a free and fair election. And so what's on the ballot this November is reproductive freedom, is voting rights, is whether or not there'll be assault weapons on the streets, and really whether or not there'll be a future of democracy. On the other hand, because we also represent the majority of this country, if we get people out to vote and engage them with two more votes in the Senate, with holding the House, we can undo that filibuster rule and move through much more legislation at the federal level that we'd like to see. And then of course, they're the important state and local campaigns. So Michael, I'm glad you're raising the issue about this election. It couldn't be more important. Well, Heather, how much of uh, Congress is on the ballot? The current thinking has been for a long time that the Democrats could possibly hold the Senate and would probably lose the House. But that was before the Roe versus Wade decision came down from the Supreme Court. Um, and uh, so what do you say to the the, uh, the media out there talking about the Democrats will have a hard time holding the House uh, and even the Senate? What's your take on how things look for us? My reaction is, yes, we can, <laughs> but only if we organize. If we don't organize, then we know nothing good will happen. But when you organize, often in times of the greatest challenges, you can make the greatest progress. We have seen sea changes going on since the middle of June and the Roe decision uh, at the Supreme Court, in part because it is the most intimate decision of a person's life about when or whether or with whom we'll have a child. And we have seen an explosion of women particularly coming out to vote and younger women also. There's now a 55% balance of the increase in registration has been 55% women, particularly in those states where uh, there have been Senate marginal states. And then you also look at who the candidates are on the Republican side, because so many of them are just batshit out of their minds. Uh, and they are you know, people who believed you should overturn an election because they lost. They know they lost. And that's not how we were brought up to think we should function. So when people start choosing between candidates, who's for assault weapons or who's for, um, who's for actually limiting uh, gun violence, who's for reproductive freedom or who's not, there is a move now towards the Democrats, but only if we organize will we turn it out. And we saw last night, there was an election in Alaska Right. With the first Native American, uh, Native uh, person, and the first woman will now be elected to this at-large seat that's been held for over 50 years by a Republican in Alaska. And it was made possible because there's been an outpouring um, against this MAGA Republican faction, uh, by the way, defeating Sarah Palin. Yeah, her name is, uh, let me get it right, uh, Mary Peltova. 
and she is, as you say, the first native to be elected. Um, and, uh, you know, it's to fill a, a gap and she'll have to run again in November for uh, the next two years. But uh, this was a good sign. Um, let's let me uh, ask you again a, a little bit about how it's looking in the House, even in the Senate. What races are crucial to win, would you say? Well, on the Senate side, there are three open seats. First of all, two more seats, and we can change the rule in the Senate that only needs a 50% plus one majority. And right now we're two votes short of that majority. And that would change the filibuster rule. Amongst the things that would go through, the president's already said he would sign something to codify Roe. The House has already passed the John Lewis uh, Voting Rights Act. Uh, they've passed uh, uh, significant additional gun, gun, uh, sensible gun legislation and other other rules. So we think that it is that will pass with two more seats in the Senate. So on the Senate side, there are three open races where three races where the seat is open. It had been held by a Republican, but now it's uh, we have to see who will win it. And that is in Pennsylvania with John Fetterman, who is uh <laughs> a man of the people he has on his arm. He was the mayor of a small town in Pennsylvania, and he has on the his arm the tattoos of the dates of each person who was killed by gun violence while he was mayor. It just wow. shows you where his where his heart is, his commitment is. And he's running against this phony Dr. Oz. So that's Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Sherry Beasley, an excellent candidate, uh, an open seat. North Carolina is a difficult place, but we can do it if we turn out. Ohio, Tim Ryan, who is totally functioning as an economic populist, uh, pro-labor uh, Democrat, and has a, a real chance. But again, we need to turn out. There are two seats where we need to turn it from Republican-held to Democratic-held. Wisconsin, the current lieutenant governor, is Mandela Barnes. He actually comes out of the movement. Not only does his name Mandela Barnes, what do you what do you think? But also he was a community organizer. He worked on a, a program that Bob Creamer had originally worked on and then uh, worked with a number of community based organizations. Um, and as one of us, he could be on this uh, podcast as a uh, as a regular participant. And then in Florida, uh, former chief of police. Uh, Val Demings. So she brings a an African-American candidate, brings the um, seriousness about caring about uh, policing that will serve a community uh, and is a very progressive candidate. And then there are incumbents where we need to keep those seats. And this is also a challenge. There are five seats. Georgia, it's Raphael uh, Warnock, a minister who has just uh, been a moral um, a moral guide. In Arizona, Mark Kelly, um, a former uh, astronaut, um, but it's a, it's a tough state, but we can, we can win if we organize. Nevada, Senator Catherine Cortez Masto, again, uh, difficult terrain, but a purple state and we can win. Uh, New Hampshire, Sen Senator Maggie Hassan, it's always been a challenge there, and Colorado for Michael Bennett. Um, and then in many of those states, there are also governor's races that are also critically important. Um, looking for my governor's list right now. In uh, Wisconsin, 
uh, Tony Evers is running and they are, there is now a virtual ban on abortion in Wisconsin. And there's been a fight going on since they tried to destroy the unions and decimated them uh, in the past, but we can build back. Uh, so Wisconsin on the governor, Michigan on the governor, the governor Whitmer has been, her life has been threatened uh, because of this uh, MAGA faction. In Pennsylvania, the, the Republican governor candidate, Mastriano, not only supports January 6th, but he is anti-Semitic, uh, racist, and he embraces having a white Christian nation. <laughs> um, and then we have Josh Shapiro, who's uh, running as the Democratic candidate. Uh, Arizona has uh, a governor's race, Florida, Georgia, Stacey Abrams, uh, Nevada, Kansas, Oregon, and Hawaii. Those are the other uh, more marginal races. Well, you, don't, you don't include Beto in that one, huh? Do you think Beto oh, has no. a chance and, and Texas, Texas? Of course. Uh, the truth is, yes, I should have included Beto. Uh, Katie, thanks for raising that. The truth is all of these and more are possible mm -hmm. if we organize. All right. So you keep talking about if we organize. So uh, I would, this is the question I kind of really want to get it as an organizer who's been translating movements into electoral politics for many decades now. How do you suggest engaging volunteers at this political moment? I mean, we don't have more than, you know, I don't know how many quite days are left, um, but uh, clearly people are starting to pay attention. Um, and so my my concern always, and I think Katie's too, when we're doing the show, we will ask people, encourage them to go out and talk to others and anywhere they know that some Democrats encourage people to vote. Um, how would you say at this, you know, in these final days, so to speak, we can get more people active? Um, I've got several very concrete suggestions. Broadly, I talk about four M's that we need uh, members. We need to recruit people. We need more volunteers. And you can do that with calls, with texting uh, people. We can give you lists for you to call on your own or in a group with their phone banks and other other efforts. We'll come back to that. And uh, and door to door work. There's message. We have to send the message out, just like uh, Mike, you and Katie are doing uh, on this program. But whether it's op-eds, letters to the editor, talking to our friends, uh, sending out the message about the importance of this election and voting and doing the work. Number three is money. We do need to send money. Many of us may not have a lot, but even small amounts matter. You say, oh, but they've got so much money. Yes, but they're being swamped often by the other side. So we uh, members message money and movement. We just need to show up and have the visibility to show uh, the powerhouse uh, that we that we are and can be. Now, ways to be involved, it depends on where you are and what you want to do. I actually have one one particular uh, recommendation that a friend of mine, Michael and Sarah, who Michael, uh, you may particularly know, he was I also know from a, SDS. He's up in Boston. Yes, he area, came, I think. came out of the kind of out of that background and now is running something called uh, Together, and it's an all volunteer effort that helps individuals, I've also got some group uh, suggestions, figure out where can I be most effective? And if you go to the website, www.togetherweelect.org, there'll be a way you can click on to get started and there will be a personal um, coach who will contact you and say, 
what kind of work do you want to do? Do you want to do phone calls? Do you want to do texting? Can you physically go to a place? Could you do door to door? Is there a state you're interested in? What kind of race are you interested in? And they will match you up. You can either do it virtually or in the state. Heather, so I'm, that's, let me ask you a question about that. Yeah. Can I? Um, do, is there a way to get on that uh, together? We elect and say and be a person who says, here's my name and number for Illinois, for example. Yes, to they can. I'm told that I, I, I've tried it out for a few states. I know North Carolina and some others, but they, I think they can in each state say, here are the groups of how you can be connected. Okay. Now, in addition, in specific states like Illinois, and you'll know this better than I do, Katie, because you're from Illinois, with their two, with their important state Supreme Court races that are coming right. up That's and right. the local races matter also. Um, there are key organizations uh, Citizen Action of Illinois is one that I particularly uh, am fond of. There's also Personal PAC, uh, which is doing extraordinary work around the elections. Indivisible has a good operation. There's a group called Swing Left nationally that can uh, connect people around congressional races. Um, How about Sunrise? In- is there a group that group Sunrise or Sun something? Yeah, Sun- Sunrise is a terrific group. It's largely uh, younger people, I think, have worked particularly on climate issues uh, and uh, and gun violence issues. And it's great. There are so many organizations. There's Planned Parenthood. There's uh, NAACP. There's, there's so many groups. It is important, though, to connect with a group because you don't need to do it on your own. Okay, this is good. And let me just repeat that for people to you go to www.togetherweelect.org. And I want to ask Katie, uh, Heather, you brought up the Illinois Supreme Court races. Uh, one of the things that Katie wants to talk about and I want her to talk about is uh, where she is going to be working this election. Because those of who are regular listeners to the show know that Katie Hogan registers a lot of voters, does a lot of campaign work. Uh, and I know she's going to work with uh, our Congresswoman Jan Schakowsky. Katie, talk a little bit about what your plans are for the next couple um, of months. Yeah, just uh, to to really just uh, dovetail with what Heather just said, I'm going to work starting today, actually, for Jan. Um, once again, thank thank you, Jan, to for putting me to work on what I wanted to do anyway. But so, yeah, we are concentrating. Uh, this is the ninth CD uh, traveling uh Calvary. We go out to the other districts, whichever ones need the most help. And as you mentioned, Heather, what we're going to concentrate on is going to the second and third districts of the Supreme Court to um, push those two candidates. Illinois Supreme Court. Sorry? I'm just saying Illinois Supreme Court, so everyone's clear. Okay. Yes. (laughs) Um, And we'll be pushing the entire uh, ticket of course, in those districts, including the congressional uh, folks who we elected four years ago, that'd be Sean Caston and Lauren Underwood, as well as Bill Foster. All of them have those Supreme Court races in their districts. We'll also be trying to introduce a new congressperson in uh, the 13th, which is a brand new district. That's Nikki Budzinski. And we have a guy out in, on the west of the state, uh, Sorensen, who uh, has a, a MAGA candidate to run against. So while I would love to join the trail up to Wisconsin, I'm 
my job is going to be concentrate on Illinois and and push the blue the blueness of us all, um, particularly based on how we've become a, a state in the middle of abortion uh, vacuum. Um, we've got a lot of people traveling to this state for health care. Um, so Katie, yeah. let, let me ask you that Sorensen race out on uh, the western part of the state. Is that the Lane Evans uh, seat, the old Lane Evans seat? Well, it's it's a it's a redraw. No, actually, it's north of that. Okay. Uh, I believe it's north of that. Um, that district has been divvied up many times since. Good old Lane. Um, Katie, Jan Schakowsky is so lucky to have you. You are such a joy. Uh, people flock to you and you know how to put them to good use. So anyone who wants to have a good election experience, connect with Katie Hogan. Maybe Katie should, or, or should they just connect with the Schakowsky campaign? Well, we, we're, I'll, I'll be at the, I'll be the, this campaign. And, and I think my email is Katie Hogan at Jan Schakowsky.gov, but I'm not sure actually at the moment, but I, wouldn't, um, wouldn't I am, I am full-time doing this. So you can reach me through Michael, through the radio, any which way, if you know me, pick up the phone and call me because actually, you know, this is the thing. What you said uh, is the most important, Heather, is we need people to get up and uh, activate. We have 10 weeks. That's all we've got. And it, it truly is a, a moment, a, yet another save the Republic moment. But I, I really believe this is one. <laughs> this is the most important one so far because Biden is on a good trail at the moment and the media keeps drumming uh, really negative messaging, questioning, oh, one of the Democrats going to get it together. And I want to say, what are you talking about? You know, we're working like a, a well-oiled machine out there against against all the MAGA forces while the the trial of Trump is, uh, you know, hopefully grinding towards. Um, at, we're doing keeping a lot of balls in the air is what I feel. So um, I'm, I'm most concerned about just getting the volunteers that we need to do the carpools out to these various districts. And they're not long rides for the most part. We will take a long ride down to Champaign-Urbana one weekend. We will go out to Rockford another. But basically, people can canvas with us uh, every weekend from now on. And uh, you're right to mention the other groups. Indivisible is, has been going to Wisconsin for weeks uh, with lots of Chicago folks. Um, Swing Left is great. And, and uh, lots of, there's a lot of folks working. Um, and uh, unfortunately, the loss of a right has uh, had a good result of activating a lot of people who might not have had they not just lost the right to uh, uh, their own health care and reproductive freedoms. So, um, yeah. Uh, let, me, uh, let me ask Heather if you have any parting uh, thoughts. Uh, I was going to ask uh, about the role in the media in hindering public thought, but I think Katie addressed that. But you may have some comments or either of you any final comments in our campaign to get more people involved in turning out the vote in November. Our future is at stake, Amen. our kids' futures, for us, our grandkids' futures. And what we know from past history is that when we've organized, and I often say we organize with love at the center, we have made the most dramatic change, and we can do that now. 
say one last thing. Many know that I was in the civil rights movement and people often used to say, are you willing to die for freedom? And though I wanted to live, I was willing to take that risk if that's what was involved when I was in Mississippi. But now the real challenge is, are you willing to live for freedom? Are you willing to do the work every day to make the phone calls, to do the text, to go door to door, to talk to your neighbors, to recruit others, as Katie was saying? It's a short period of time. And whether you do it for the whole nine or 10 weeks left, or if you do it just for the last weekend, we need you now. And if we do the work every day, we will make this a more just and democratic and caring world. Oh, power to people. Yeah. Hey, Katie, you have anything to add to that? How could I? Okay. Well, I want to thank the two of you. I really admire you both. Uh, I apologize to our viewers, uh, not the listeners, but uh, the viewers, because you don't see Katie's picture. We're not sure of the tech issue on that. Uh, <laughs> we love Katie. We love Katie Hogan. <laughs> um, well, and uh, I, I encourage everyone to stay tuned. Uh, we'll be back with more Live from the Heartland for the week of September 3rd. Uh, we're going to have Ron Schultz, who... Uh, uh, has a new book out. Uh, he's going to talk about uh, his adventures many years ago. Stay tuned. After a little music, we'll be right back with more Live from the Heartland. Power to the people. See you, ladies. See you, women. Sisters, over and out. Uh, welcome back to More Live from the Heartland. I'm Michael James, and we are here recording uh, for the week of September 3rd. And I'm really happy to bring on now a guy who we met way back sometime. We'll try to get at the exact details. But uh, I know he's been following this radio show for a number of years. And uh, he wrote a new book called Chicago Rage. I'm talking about the one, the only, incomparable Ronald Schultz out there in Seattle. And uh, I knew you wrote the book, Ron, and I uh, asked you if you wanted to come on the radio. You sent me a copy and I finished it last night. I had been reading it a little bit every day. Uh, I was mistaken in thinking that it was uh, a novel. It's it's a memoir, uh, but it's an outrageous memoir in some ways. I mean, in terms of your activities, uh, basically it's about you in your youth at 17, you'd already run away from home. You'd been out in Taos in some collectives or communes. You'd come back, you were living in the woods. You hit the old town uh, up and down Lincoln Avenue, met a woman, went to New York, uh, had a little adventure, then came back to Chicago, got involved in some heavy stuff in the streets. And then you're telling us you're writing some more books. So how are you doing today? Hey, terrific. Yeah, I'm uh, here at a hotel room in, in uh, sunny Washington, which is uh, taking over from Nevada here, becoming more like Nevada every day or every year <laughs> with our climate change. And uh, yeah, I'm doing terrific. Um, yeah, uh, 
I'm glad, you know, I started writing and, uh, you know, I've written a bunch of other things that didn't go anywhere, by the way, you know, getting published is not by any means easy, but I, uh, after I got pushed into it by a few friends uh, who knew me and knew my story a little bit, uh, I, I decided to write it. And, and I, I think we all need to get our stories out there. We're all part of a larger framework, a jigsaw puzzle that makes up history. So our personal story, I mean, leaders are nothing without followers or, you know, sometimes we change places, you know. But yeah, write. I tell people out there, write your story. Go ahead. No, I really like uh, I like reading memoirs, and I liked reading this. It's uh, it was it's pretty exciting in parts, uh, pretty uh, oh challenging. Uh, I suffer for the lack of sleep you had at certain times, the amount of drugs, and uh, the amount of sex. There's a lot of sex in it. Why don't you give uh, the our listeners and our viewers a little synopsis of what the book is about? See if okay. I come close to it. All right. It's uh, my version of On the Road, but uh, I think more authentic than uh, uh, the original. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of a lot of On the Road stories out there. But this one, of course, it's unique. I was 17 at the time. Uh, as uh, Michael says, I'd, I'd had a rather adventurous childhood before that, running away at 15 to New Orleans and uh, getting busted and, you know, et cetera stuff. But um, I really knew there was big issues in our country. I wanted to find the revolution, <laughs> or at least my place in it. Uh, and uh, yeah, I was always kind of uh, looking for alternatives to the culture that I grew up in. You know, in the 50s, uh, racism was right in my face. Um, I saw a lot of negativities. And uh, I, I was looking at a communal ideal or somehow an alternative counterculture thing. And, um, and okay, first of all, before this book, there's another book which is out there. I, I went to Taos, New Mexico and Drop City, Colorado, got involved in, um, in that scene. May have met Charlie Manson or at least a lookalike who had the same vibe, you know, <laughs> and definitely met some of his girls because later in the year when I saw him on TV, I said, Jesus, that looks like the guy, you know. So but we're, our country is full of various forms of sociopaths running loose and uh and yeah, man's son and son of man, that's how I remembered him from being described him being described to me before the murders. But anyway, no, I didn't get mixed up with them. And uh, came back, yes, as Michael says, uh, uh, my life suddenly exploded when uh, I went down to Chicago, had a series of, uh, of relationships with people uh, and uh, ended up hitchhiking to New York with a lady named Bonnie, uh, who, as she so proudly exclaimed, was a member of the Up Against the Wall MFers, as they, the full name would be, but they went by the MFer logo. And unfortunately, it was an age of paranoia, and, uh, <laughs> and I ended up, uh, my dear girlfriend uh, put me into a, uh, yeah, the Bowery, there we go. Right. I was in the Bowery, which I had seen the Bowery boys on TV before that. You know, that's all my knowledge of New York, really. But anyway, uh, it wasn't working out somehow. I kind of felt like I was being cut adrift. And as fortune would have it, I ran into Karen, you know, and uh, uh, we, you know, we ran into a flyer, an SCS flyer, which talked about uh, tearing down Pig City, Chicago. Uh, as they termed it. And uh, I decided, hey, you know, that's where I belong. What am I doing here in New York? 
And so uh, broke, as, I, as we were, uh, flat broke, basically, we hitch out, hitchhiked out on a more adventurous trip back to Chicago than coming in. Yeah. Because uh, a lot of it was my own mistake, missing my exits, you know, getting talking too much with the driver and forgetting that I wanted to be let, let off at a better <laughs> and ended up uh, spending a long time traveling through Americana, which was nonetheless fascinating to me. Uh, getting uh, riding with a uh, alcoholic or a drunken guy and through West Virginia, <laughs> ended up in an accident. And uh, anyway, it's a long story, but you got to read it. You know, um, it brings back so many memories. Just hitchhiking. I mean, I remember hitchhiking once coming back from Mexico. Uh, I was coming from Chicago to heading to Connecticut, and late at night trying to sleep on the side of the road. Uh, you know, uh, being uh, hitchhiking up from Alabama, where a friend and I had driven me, and I'd back up to Lake Forest College, and uh, being in a car full of drunk people, and lucky I got out of that. You you brought back a lot of memories. But when you get back to Chicago in this book, you get involved with uh, the weathermen and their days of rage. Uh, I have a connection to that, too, in that I... Uh, <clears throat> went to follow and see what was happening. And uh, when a guy grabbed my a friend I was with, I tried to separate them and then got uh, jumped by some police. And one of them said, he's got my effing blackjack. Uh, when I was holding on to, he was hitting me on the head. Anyhow, the days of rage were something else. Uh, you uh, you got carried away during the days of rage. And, uh, but then you, uh, I think at the end of the book, you kind of see uh, that you're going to go in some new direction. Yeah, I had no choice. I went to jail. <laughs> that that tore me away from Karen, I'm afraid. I'd, I'd, I'd love to see uh, Karen Mookie, if you're out there in the world somewhere. I'd love to hear back from you. Uh, you know, it's been a long time. Uh, and uh, yeah, in fact, we had very similar experiences. You got busted in your experience. I got busted in mine. And uh I, uh, yeah, I mean, the weathermen, okay, I, I kind of saw them as a necessary evil. I think they were, uh, the more I got to know them, you know, they were uh, a little on the crazy side, you know, I mean, I saw it as a self-destruct kamikaze type thing. And I heard the speech, you know, uh, by uh, Fred Hampton, Fred, Black Panther Fred Hampton, outside the criminal court building. And uh, of course, he called the weathermen customeristic which I had already been through the first Wednesday of the rage, and I pretty well saw that was true. But I was young, full of, uh, you know, gumption, and I, I kind of had some, you know, just kind of wanted to be part, see what, how this would go. You know, I, I had my own demons, I guess you would say. And, uh, yeah, I can't bl uh, blame the weathermen for being any crazier than I was. But <laughs> it was a... Uh, it was like a shooting star that's going to burn itself out. But uh, that's kind of the way I, I thought that, that they would uh, mature, you know, into a less. I mean, like I say, I ran into uh, Kay in a, in, a, in a weatherman meeting, you know, planning session. Uh, and uh, they were talking about killing her because of her pacifistic views. I mean, you know, of course, I knew it would all be talk, but you never know. Um, and uh, we ended up, become, you know, hooking up a little bit there. We... Uh, we, we became, uh, we, we should have listened to my better angels and gone with her early back to Grinnell, Iowa, which would have been a whole different story. <laughs> uh, 
Well, this this is a uh, it's it's pretty interesting reading, and you know, for those people who were around in those times or want to know more, uh, you use a lot of real places. You're on Lincoln Avenue. You're going to Alice's restaurant. Alice's revisited uh, the feed store. There are people in the book that uh, many of us, some of them who've been on the show, uh, talk about. And uh, your, your book actually <clears throat> had a publisher. Some of these books I've been uh, interviewing people are self-published, which is fine with me. Uh, but this is Tumbleweed Books. It's out of Canada. And the name of the book, once again, is um, Ra Ra Chicago Rage, uh, subtitle, A Memoir of the 1960s Chicago Riots. And <clears throat> what's, been the excuse me, what's been the response to your book so far? Well, it's very newly out there. Um, unfortunately, uh, uh, Tumbleweed Books has uh, ARC Reviewers. Uh, it's, I think it's a, uh, a sub-company or something where they offer 25 early reviews to anybody who, you know, who wants it for free. And guess what? Everybody likes fantasy. Nobody likes uh, anything smacking of real life, it's, or at least their audience, shall I put it. <laughs> so I got zero responses, unfortunately. Uh, uh, actually, I have two reviews on Amazon, uh, and uh, it hasn't gotten out there, to be quite honest with you. You know, it hasn't, although everybody who reads it tells me it's great, you know. Well, you. I, I really enjoyed uh, reading it. I mean, it did bring back a lot of memories, and I was really impressed with the detail. One of the things that strikes me, though, that if you, you know, I was thinking in the present tense, mm -hmm. uh, you would have been an awful smart guy. I mean, you were already into a lot of Buddhism, uh, your spirituality. You had a, a, a pretty wide understanding of politics and things were going on in the world. Uh, were you actually that sharp back in that, that day? Or uh, did that sometime looking back, you got sharper? Well, I read a lot. I read a lot and I thought a lot and I meditated a lot. I can say that. I don't, I can't say for sure if I was smart. I mean, I ended up getting busted in a suicide mission <laughs> to, to save somebody I didn't know and lost my, my beautiful Karen forever. I don't think that was smart, but we all make crazy mistakes in life. I'm, I'm, I have to forgive myself a little bit there or else I, you know, knock my head against the wall. But um, okay, I'm human. Uh, aren't we all? But we all got our ups and downs, you know. And I, yes, I read a lot. I was really into all the same stuff. I I try to be as realistic and honest as I can here, you know. Of course, every time anybody writes about themselves, they either leave out or I try to put in what I think is germane, you know. Uh, other people can tell people who know me can tell me otherwise, but uh, uh, I got another one coming out about. It involves you also, Michael, uh, during the White Panther days of 1970, when uh, I for sure met you in uh, Elmhurst College. You were there to uh, apparently uh, take over a class, give a lecture. It was all coincidental. And that's in another book coming up. So you were, you were, you got involved with the White Panthers. I remember the White Panthers. We were starting okay. Rising Up Angry. Um, <clears throat> so you got a new book already. Is it already written? Or are you? It, I'm actually um, I'm actually pounding it out now best I can. I'm, I'm having a little trouble with this because I'm I'm trying to pull in a lot of uh, parts, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like uh, spending a lot of time on this that one. But it's it, I, I've got a lot more uh, uh, outside sources, shall I say, uh, that I'm bringing in, too. But anyway, the one that has just been accepted 
is the immediate sequel to Chicago Rage, which is my time in jail in the Nut House, because uh, I ended up uh, 10 days in Cook County Jail, which was a, we were segregated, the Weatherman population segregated from the other prisoners. But because I had, you know, maybe hit a cop and ripped his badge off, <laughs> I, I ended up with a higher bail than most of these other guys. I never got any phone call or anything. Uh, uh, you know, but um, I don't I don't know who else ever did. I don't know how that worked. But, uh, you know, uh, and because I wasn't a member of the Weatherman, I was low on the totem pole. So anyway, my father, somebody called my father, probably from the defense committee or something, said, oh, by the way, your son's in jail. Oh, OK, shit, I guess I better, I better bail him out or something. <laughs> but they didn't know what to do with me. So they stuck me in a mental hospital where uh, I, I met. Uh, you know, my good friend, uh, Pete Fischetti, whose father was a cartoonist for the Chicago Daily News. He's in, involved in that book, too. Uh, I forget his father's name, but he wrote Zinga Zinga Za, an interesting little uh, kind of a Italian uh, coming to America story uh, and getting involved in the newspaper work and so on. Anyway, cartoonist work. But anyway, that's a whole other story. But it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> you know, uh, let me ask you, I don't really know that much about you, except that I would, uh, I know you were listening to the live from the Heartland show. And yeah. then later we started doing emails and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, what have you been doing? What did you do for work in your life? And are you retired now, uh, giving you time to write? I'm semi-retired. Uh, <laughs> I'm semi-retired. Uh, uh, yeah, I, uh, I got involved uh, in uh, a lot of different stuff. I worked in uh, gold mines in, in the Black Hills. I worked in coal mines in Colorado. Uh, I was a security guard at various places where I couldn't find any other work. Uh, and then I, I put myself through, okay, I was a high school dropout, but then I, I put myself through college in, uh, between, uh, uh, Long Beach, Colorado and Seattle, Washington. You know, I started there, ended up moving up to Washington for long, complicated reasons. And, uh, so anyway, I got a BA for what it's worth. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I kind of ended up working as a security guard while I did that. Uh, and hey, at least I had a little time to study, but uh, I was burning the candle at both ends. I've been doing that most of my life. Uh, I don't recommend it, but I, I'm still alive. Anyway, I can tell you that, maybe. You mentioned Long Beach, Colorado. Uh, I'm sorry, Long Beach, California. Oh, okay. I was gonna say, what body of water would that be on, that Long uh, Beach? The Pacific. Uh, in Cal in California, yes. But I did live in uh, Colorado, in uh, near Aspen. Uh, near Aspen, I, I worked at the uh, coal mine down there. In um, uh, they had a bus back in those days that uh, drove us all the way down to think of the name now. Anyway, it was the Intercontinent uh, Intercontinent Coal Company, something like that. But anyway, I did a lot of different jobs, but mostly I got into health work out here in Seattle. Uh, working with older people, we, uh, me and my wife, my beautiful wife, uh, got involved in a. Uh, we we started an adult family home, and so we did that business from 1996. And uh, hey, that that got me out of poverty, <laughs> or you know us out of poverty. You know, we, my my wife is more business minded than me. I'm a total flop. Uh, I can't hold on to money. I give it away. <laughs> well, let me yeah. ask you a little bit about uh, when did you actually start writing? And you, uh, 
you yeah. you kind of indicated you had written earlier stuff. Have you been published other places? Uh, well, uh, you you talk about self publishing. Uh, my first book, um, Spirit Quest, nineteen sixty nine. Uh, just before the uh, pandemic hit us, uh, I, I I guess you you some people call it vanity. Some people call it uh, a hybrid publishing. You know, you put the money up front, so it's it's a little more of a guided self publishing. Anyway, it's costs money. But uh, yeah, I got that book out there. It went nowhere. I mean, the pandemic was here, and uh, I don't think they did very much of a, you know. Uh, okay, one problem with publishing memoirs right now is, uh, you know, you know how it is. It's the market, the invisible hand of the market. You know what's? Uh, I don't know. Anyway, it's hard to get published. A lot of they, they, people don't. Uh, a lot of publishers uh, right now are saying, eh, memoirs don't sell, you know, so it all depends. It all depends, you know. Uh, well, there are a lot of memoirs. I know uh, our friend Peter Werby, who was the founder and still publisher of The Fifth Estate up in Detroit. He uh, he has a book that out about six months ago. You can actually find it on, you go to uh, youtube.com slash heartland media slash videos and type in Peter Werby. You'll find it. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, what inspires you these days, Ron? I mean, in terms of the world, you got any hope for the world? You got any uh, unhope? What's going on in your head? It's a rocky road, you know, hope and all that stuff. You know, we've seen a lot of disappointments. Both of us have, I know. And uh, it's not a perfect world and never will be. I've come to that conclusion. But, hey, it's our world, and I love it, man. I, I just love the ride. You know, we do, we make the best of us. We're going to lose if we lose every single battle. We still got to keep our hopes up there. We got to keep our spirit and our love. We got to love each other. You know, that's my bottom line here. We got to take care of each other. You know, we're we're all mirror images of each other to some degree. You know, does that make any sense? It does. When was the last time you were in Chicago? Uh, wow. Uh, I believe it was a year and a half or two years ago. But I'm, yeah, I'm terrible. Uh, my older my older timeline I keep track of better. This one is too much back and forth. I'm, I really move around a lot and I uh, can't keep track. I think it was like a year and a half ago, but just briefly, uh, you know, it changed a lot. It's changed a lot. Um, of course, you know, I'm involved like you to some degree with Karma Farm up in Wisconsin. And we got a, you know, a website connecting us a little bit, trying to. Uh, we're scattered. We're all scattered, our, our human family, but uh, we, we try to be in touch. And I love Chicago. I, I almost went back there instead of uh, Seattle, and I started to, but a uh, uh, long story that I'll go in my future book, <laughs> dragged me to out to Seattle here. Uh, and uh, when, you know, we, you know, after you've been somewhere for a while, all of a sudden you realize, hey, I, I must be, I must live here now. Maybe I live here now, you know. But then I spent four years in Japan. That's a, you know, uh, actually, that's where I got my nest egg, you know, uh, we were able, you know, in order to help put myself through college, I joined the National Guard and they had just started, you know, it goes up and down. So that helped me pay. The they, let, they let you in the National Guard after you'd been uh, busted during the weatherman stuff. I told them all about it, but they, were, they, they called. I was right there watching them call uh, Cook County and couldn't find any record of it. Now, guess what? Just recently, I tried to get uh, global travel. What do you call this thing? This thing where you, because it, 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 I travel overseas a lot, you know, so gets you through the passport control easier. Global entry, I think they call it. 
And they drug up all this stuff and said, oh, oh, we can't get it because of 1969. And another thing, which I don't even remember, and I think it was 76 or something. I said, shit, I, I think I wasn't even around then. But um, anyway, uh, so I'm supposed to go back and get the rep to show that these cases have been resolved. And so, yeah, I called. They don't have any. They burn that stuff. It's it's trashed. But all they have is some index that has me listed that I can't follow up on. So I won't get global entry, I guess. I have to go through the passport control like everybody else, uh, the slow way. Well, Ron, let me ask you one last question. Uh, you you living out there on the West Coast and you got a lot of uh, climate change issues coming up. Uh, you've got, a, it's a, always a kind of a hotbed of politics. Anything you want to share from uh, your territory about the environment, politics, upcoming elections, uh, et cetera? Yeah, vote blue. That's all we can do, you know. Okay. I mean, uh, even uh, even if individually some Republican seems like a nice guy, and maybe he is, uh, when it comes right down to it, most of them, with a very few exceptions, ended up voting uh, as a block. You know, I mean, uh, they used to they used to blame the communists for you know for doing that, but the Republican Party is is the new. Don't join that or don't have anything to do with that party because uh, it's proven to be fascistic. We don't want that. We want some form of democracy, doing the best we can. It's not perfect. It, it, politics is never perfect. You're not gonna marry the candidate, but we got to find a common ground and work with it. How's that? that That's sense? good enough, brother. It's okay. good talking to you. And uh, when do you write? In the mornings, at the night, anytime it moves you? <laughs> Whenever I can fit it in, you know, I got a wife and a daughter and an ab, you know, a son and grandkids. And uh, I slide things in when I can. I got to get motivated. I usually am pretty motivated, but it goes, comes and goes, you know. But a lot of that depends on everything else going on in my life. But, hey, I recommend it. It also helps you clarify who you are. I mean, for anybody, I don't care who you are, sit down write some stuff down and guess what it, it activates a different part of your brain to reanalyze events and uh, i think that's helped me a lot to come to terms with uh, a lot of different things well i want to thank you for sending me the book i had a fun time reading it i'll share it with other people and hopefully you can send this uh this little interview around the world and maybe you'll sell a couple copies but at least that's we had a good time uh, i'll send you the next one too all right brother uh couple of announcements before we go out. Uh, the Bitter Jester Musical Fest will be Sunday. That's tomorrow from when you're listening to the show or watching it. Uh, September 4th at Madame Zuzu's in Highland Park, 4 to 1030. Uh, that's at 1876 First Street in Highland Park. Lots of musicians um, connected to the tragedy up in Highland Park. Uh, that would be a fun event. And also on Sunday over in Logan Square, there will be the Zine Mercado at the Comfort Station. And yes, I'll be there selling my books, my photos, and the Rising Up Angry Covers posters. I think we're going to go out today with uh, Chick Street Man, another guy from up in the Northwest, with his song, Doing the Best You Can. Uh, and I want to thank everybody who makes the show possible. Uh, Emilio Davis, Lynn Orman Weiss, uh, Imani Warren, Katie Hogan, and Tom Clark. Uh, also our home base, WLUW 88.7 or WLUW.org. Thank you very much. 
we encourage you to do good in the world because the world needs all the good that you do, that I do, that we do together. All power to the people. Have a great week. See you next week. Over and out. When you feel real love from up above, oh, so divine. Do you think you're lucky stars for being?